Dominus Vobiscum, amigos, and welcome back to another episode of the Heavenly Toast Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. I know it's been a little while, but I wanted to come back and give a little bit of a reflection on the readings for the 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time, as well as to kind of give you a couple of updates as to what's happening. So in the previous episode of the podcast, I know that I mentioned that I would be getting married relatively soon. So super exciting, super great. That happened. Uh, so I've been married now for a little bit over a month, so that's crazy and fun and exciting and weird and all things excellent. Um, but the uh, production of videos and podcasts, I think, is uh, I really want to increase a little bit. Um, something that I've noticed just especially after the wedding and everything kind of settled with that and, you know, combining things, moving in together and everything. Um, really kind of a definition of what I wanted to do and what I really wanted to focus my energies and my creative juices and my um, just in general life energy, what I'd like to do, really kind of came into focus and I'm still kind of refining, but this is definitely something that I'm really trying to devote much more time to and uh, get you guys some good content and hopefully build up a little bit of uh, community on the podcast. I started an Instagram page recently for a lot of the artwork and books that I'm reading, paintings that I've been doing, sketches, things of that nature. But anyway, it's all fine and dandy. On to the content for this actual podcast. So the readings for the 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time, I know it's a little bit late, but it kind of took me a little while to sort of read up and wrap my head around things that are happening. Because we get one of those gospel passages today, and of course, it, uh, it includes a, a little bit of uh, the story of the prodigal son there, which is fantastic and everything like that. It's one of the more famous gospel stories that we know. But I wanted to focus on the beginning portions of this actual gospel reading. And the reason for that is uh, kind of a selfish one, I guess. But um, the two stories that Jesus presents to the Pharisees and the scribes at the very beginning of the Gospel reading have truly always been confusing to me. They've been very difficult for me to wrap my head around in terms of what exactly is happening. Because there, it's the 15th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel, where Jesus is um, dining with tax collectors, sinners, uh, generally people that would be undesirable to the righteous Pharisees and scribes, people that they wouldn't be associating with ever. And Jesus kind of comes back at them and says, uh, What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy. And upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. And he goes on then to tell a second parable. What woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it. And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin I lost. 
In just the same way, I tell you, there will be more rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And I basically there just read the short version of the gospel. Um, and I've always been confused by that because like when, when, those, when those readings kind of ring in my ears and you hear, oh, what woman who loses one coin among the ten and wouldn't sweep diligently and then throw a party when she finds it? <laughs> I always struggled with that because it's like uh, pretty much all of them. Like I, I just have a very difficult time in my mind picturing exactly what this would look like or the shepherd who goes out and leaves the 99 sheep in the desert and goes out to find the one that's lost, like, and then has a party about it. Like, maybe I'm just, you know, super introverted and weird. I don't know. But like, to me, these parables have always just seemed like, Jesus, what are you talking about here? Like, come on. This is, this stuff seems ridiculous. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, maybe that's the point of the parable. And I certainly think that that's a lesson that we can draw from it, is that, right, what human would do this? We don't know the exuberance, the joy, the overflowing, superfluous goodness, love, and mercy of God. And that's certainly something to kind of take home and think about, to pray about, and to meditate on, because God does love us so much. And that's true, that that superfluous love causes him to go out and to love and to strive to bring us back into the fold and that's great and that's wonderful and that's not to be discounted but that's always been i don't know something that i've kind of struggled with i guess you know what i mean it's just it's it seems strange to me and foreign so I started to kind of look at the Catena Aurea, which is a book that was written by Thomas Aquinas back in the uh, Middle Ages. And what the Catena Aurea is, is it's no writing of Thomas Aquinas at all. He actually just goes through all four of the Gospels, chunk by chunk, and basically copies and pastes sections of the Church Fathers and what they had to say about these particular sections of Scripture. So in this chunk, he kind of breaks it down into the first parable of the 99 sheep and the one that is lost. And he goes through St. Gregory the Great, uh, St. Augustine, St. Cyril of Alexandria, uh, all of these great important figures in the early church, these great saints and mystics, and what they had to say about these things. And what I found when I started looking at the Catena Aurea for these pieces is that the early church fathers read this in a very different way than I was reading it, and probably that you were reading it too. This is the first time that I had ever heard something like this, and I think it's really beautiful. What they were saying was that this sheepfold shouldn't necessarily be viewed as a shepherd who's just going out to grab one lost sheep. Rather, what it is, is this one sheep that is lost is in actuality standing in the place of humanity, the whole human race, out of all of the rational creatures, out of the entire creation that God had made, there was one group of rational creatures that had wandered astray, that could be retrieved into the sheepfold. And that was in fact 
the human race. We left the sheephold by sinning. Through our actions in the Garden of Eden, through our actions in our everyday lives, where we set God aside, we, in fact, get lost. We, in fact, leave the sheepfold. So here's a quote from St. Cyril of Alexandria. We may hence understand the extent of our Savior's kingdom, for he says that there are a hundred sheep, bringing to a perfect sum the number of rational creatures subject to him. For the number hundred is perfect, being composed of ten decades. But out of these one has wandered, namely the race of man which inhabits the earth. Then he has a quote from St. Gregory. But man then forsook heaven when he sinned, and that the whole body of sheep might be perfectly made up again in heaven, the lost man was sought for it on earth. And then a little bit further, Gregory says, He placed the sheep upon his shoulders, for taking man's nature upon him, he bore our sins. But having found the sheep, he returns home, for our shepherd, having restore man, restored man, returns to his heavenly kingdom. So the early church fathers view this group of sheep not simply as some shepherd and the flock that he tends, but rather as fallen humanity who wanders away from God, who wanders away from true happiness, from true love, from perfect goodness. And then Jesus not only just goes out to find and retrieve or to herd us back, but rather he puts the lamb upon his shoulders. He takes upon himself human form, human nature. It's that old quote that comes back about the hypostatic union. Jesus is fully human and fully divine. What does that mean? That doesn't mean necessarily that he's completely 100% full of human and completely 100% full of divine, like there's 200%, but rather that there's nothing missing from his humanity and there's nothing missing from his divinity either. So when Jesus takes this humanity upon himself, God becomes man, and by becoming man, he bears our nature upon his shoulders, and he saves us by plunging into our difficulties, our infirmities, and the difficulties, blindness, loneliness, whatever it is that we're facing. That's one of the incredible messages of Catholicism. When people say that it's just one religion among many, just one philosophy among many, there are many philosophies, there are many religions, but Jesus is God himself, and he points us to himself that we might see God. He's not pointing to some abstract set of beliefs. He's not pointing to some eightfold path or, you know, 12 steps to happiness or uh, some other book that happened to be found dug up in some coastal city or something like that. You know, the city on the edge of forever or wherever, some mysticism or something like that. He's pointing to his very self. And much like that, in this second parable, we have the parable of the lost coin. And the fathers would go on to say that the coin 
is stamped with the image of the king. So too, humanity is stamped with the image of the king, of our father, of God. We, we bear that image upon ourselves, and we're lost. We roll under the couch. We get stuck in the seat cushions. We you know, roll under the door, wherever it is. And the woman of the house lights a lamp and sweeps diligently for it. What do they say about the lamp, then? They said that the lamp is a light that is contained within an earthen vessel. What great imagery for Jesus Christ, who bears the light of God, who is God himself, inside of an earthen vessel. He's merging those two in a certain way, the earthly and the heavenly, together in one. And the woman of the house finds the lost coin by the light of Christ, by the light of that divinity. In here we have not only a message about the waywardness of human humanity and how God goes out to bring us back, but it reveals in what manner Jesus actually does this. It's not by whistling from afar, it's not even by hurting us, but it's by taking on our very human nature and bringing us to himself. And there's great consolation in the fact that we hear multiple times that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who have no need of repentance. God is a God of mercy and he's a God of love. So in allowing ourselves to be found, in practicing and cultivating virtues, in learning about what it is that the church truly teaches about the moral life, and adhering to it out of love for God, we enter back into that sheepfold, even though we've sinned and even though we're imperfect and we're lost in many cases. But this is what it's about. It's about Jesus who enters into our very human situations, our very human sufferings, and redeems us there. It's not about becoming perfect so that Jesus can redeem us. It's about allowing Jesus to enter into the failings the loneliness, the miseries, the suffering, and allowing him to redeem us through our virtues that we cultivate, through the graces that we respond to, and through our lives, the difficulties that we face, and triumphing over them with God's grace. With that, stay in the state of grace. And God bless, friends. Cheers.